podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My name. My real name. Is Egon Targaryen. John's got the balls. He did it. He did it. A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms review, which is Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 2, coming up now. And welcome to Buzz. We're back and Game of Thrones is finally here. Yes, the mad, mad show with the mad, mad queen is here. But um, we didn't do an episode one review because I was away on holiday. But we will just cover that off really quickly before we talk about episode two. Joining me, I have the mad queen of AI herself, Nina Kaza. Nina, how you doing? I prefer myself to be more of a Sir Davos, but as you were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who the fuck wants to be Sir Davos? <laughs> okay, that's fine. You be Sir Davos or the big ginger. Yeah, you can be the, the, the big ginger. You're not good enough to be him. You can't be Tormund. That's it. It's not, you're just not good enough. And uh, I have the regular, the regular, Mr. Jessel. How are you doing, Jessel? Yeah, fine, thank you. How are you? Not too bad. I haven't really given you a character name. Um, no, I was thinking, I was I, I'm probably be like... Um, <laughs> No, I'm probably more realistically like third soldier back who dies within <laughs> 30 seconds of the battle scene. I, I think you're I'm the guy way. in episode two who comes to the to Sid Davos for some food and goes, "I don't fight." <laughs> <laughs> That's literally me, actually. Yeah, yeah, that is you. Yeah, right. Anyway, let's quickly, quickly full of spoilers. By the way, folks, there's no non-spoiler nonsense. This is a review of the season. Eight, episode two of Game of Thrones. So, yeah, if you haven't seen it, I don't know what you're doing here. But we're going to talk episode one first. Um, really, I thought a, a, a pretty good but fast-paced episode, Jessel. So much going on. So many reunions. Uh, so much, um, I don't know, com- you can compare it to season one, episode one. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. I think the circularity was there when they're, they're looping everything back around in a full circle. And it's even called Winterfell because that's like the central, um, theme of, of Game of Thrones in many ways. And you have all these reunions and a lot happens actually. You're right. It's really fast paced. Um, I mean, Nina and I before the podcast were struggling to remember how much happened. There was so much had happened. Um, but I mean, the key outline points, I guess, are, uh, Cersei in, in Queen King's Landing. Um, she's plotting some shit again basically and um and then yeah the reunions at winterfell and and um they it kind of leads nicely into episode two where it's more of an emotional feel but episode one is really just catching everyone up because don't forget it's been two years since uh since the last series so everyone did need a bit of a catch-up really absolutely and then what did you think of um of that episode i mean overall was there any highlights for you in terms of obviously there was one big thing that happened in that episode with with john 
mm-hmm. wasn't there? Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty much same as Jessel. I, I think the reunions were important because I know a lot of people before this, ahead of this season, went back and watched the entire series again. I wasn't one of them. So for me, I kind of forgot where people were because <laughs> I think it's been about two years, has it, since like, um, you know, the previous season. So um, for me, it was kind of really important to know where people were and seeing the reunions. And I think the ones that kind of, and some kind of were quite warm and quite fuzzy. I mean, I really liked John and Aria. And, you know, the little thing about Needle, I remember that. So there were some reunions that I actually really probably enjoyed more than others. And also seeing, and also one thing I really liked about this episode as well was I love the fact the headquarters was Winterfell yet again. And I love the fact that we kind of got a glimpse into every living character you know, we knew what Cersei was up to. We knew what everyone was up to. And I think that was important. And I also liked the fact that Yara and um, uh, Theon kind of escaped as well. I thought that was really important because I did genuinely think that she was dead for some strange reason. Bloody hell. I, I personally thought the the whole episode built up to, um, you know, Sam and, and John. And I thought that was that was the, the, the really really good scene. I forgot about that reunion. That was probably the biggest. <laughs> exactly. The, 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 biggest, <laughs> the biggest reunion in the whole thing was Sam and John's and he was asking him if he's hiding from him and Jessel, just the, just what they, how they set that up in terms of, you know, Sam meeting Danny and Sajora. Obviously Sajora doing it in a very, you know, he was being really nice about it. He was being, um, you know, thankful and wanted to introduce him to his, you know, his queen, but it didn't turn out that way. And <laughs> it set up, set up a fucking brilliant end of that episode, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought it was actually really funny because there were a lot of funny moments and you didn't expect Sam to be so petty, but then you kind of put yourself in his position where, you know, he's being thanked for saving um, Sajora. And then Danny's like, oh, FYI, um, sorry, what's your surname again? Um, yeah, I think I might have just like torched your, your father and your brother. And the, the, the funny thing is, is that Sam is so level headed that I thought he'd be like, okay, uh, there must have been a reason, you know, plus they were really mean to me my whole life, right? But he's like, no, he just immediately runs off, finds John. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, I've got a bit of information to tell you. And the really funny thing about that is the last time John sees Ned Stark, he uh, Ned says, "Oh, um, next time I see you, I'll tell you who your mother is." Yes. Yeah, and he stood in front of Ned Stark's statue, yeah. right in the tomb. Yeah, the tomb, yeah. and that is where Sam tells John about his heritage and and the yeah. circularity of it. It's just genius. Those little touches, and I only thought about it afterwards. I didn't get it whilst I was watching it. It's just like it's, I mean, he had he had been down there. To me he, as well. he, he was down there in season seven as well, though. Yeah, so. but, but yeah, but that's the first time. Yeah, no, 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 but, but where he finds time. out. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Where yeah, he finds out is perfect. He actually said that. I mean, next time I see you, I'll tell you all about your mother. And obviously, he was, you know, he he found out right in front of his his tomb. Yeah, which is nice. A mm. definitely nice touch. Um, but I think John's, I think Kit Harrington's acting in this was was perfect in terms of how he sold it. It, it was it was denial, you know, at the start, putting things in front of it. You know, my dad, how can you call my dad a liar all my life? And then Sam trying to explain it. I just thought it was perfectly done. Yeah, uh, well, all his life he's been told he's a worthless bastard, right? You know, he wasn't even allowed to eat with the family or anything. You know, he was kind of treated a bit of an outcast. He was, if I remember correctly, compared to all the other Stark kids. Am I right? Oh, yeah. And then he discovers he he's the rightful heir of the Seven Kingdoms. 
a lot to take, a lot to digest. Yeah, I mean, with him and Theon, they were the, the sort of outcasts of Winterfell, really. And mm. and John kind of took that positive energy, uh, sorry, turned it into positive energy, and and sort of forged his way forward. Whereas Theon just made a series of really bad decisions and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, understatement of the year. Um, but they both find themselves back there. And uh, there, there's just so much. And even if you talk about John, he, we, I mean, we were talking in the, in the previous podcast gags uh, when we were kind of looking forward to this season. And then you find John um, flying dragons. I mean, we talked on the previous episode, would he fly a dragon when, et cetera, et cetera. And then within 15 minutes of the first episode, it's happening. And, um, you know, th- I mean, that was a clue. You had a big romantic setup between him and uh, Danny, where it's like, you know, waterfalls and blah, 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 very sort of picture book romance kind of thing. And then he's kissing Danny, and then the dragon's just staring at him. <laughs> just like, and just so much happened in that first episode. It was really fast paced. Um, and then you've got Cersei and King's Landing and stuff, plotting, conniving again. And then really, um, I think I think the biggest thing was obviously the reveal about John and Danny. We didn't know when that would happen. And you're mm. right, he was in complete denial about it. But, you know, as Nina was saying, like those there are complex emotions mixed up, so Yes, totally agreed. The the big the big reveal was was the main part. I mean, I, I think we were all waiting for it. And we all wondered whether it would happen in episode one or not and w- whether they'd drag it. I'm so glad uh Nina they didn't drag it and they just got it out the way and then the tension's there and I think it leads Really well. I mean, there's so much in episode one to talk about. There's Sansa and how she is, and you know her attitude towards Danny. There's so many other things, Arya. So many other things in episode one that we need to talk about. But overall, let's just do overall feelings. I thought there was a, a sense of rush, Jessel. Just uh, and then I just thought they were rushing it a little bit. But um I want to know your overall thoughts on that. Yeah, I think they were rushing a little bit, but. um in terms of episode one, there, there was a lot happened. If you think about the Umber's house, um, house Umber rather, they got sacked by the army of the dead. And, and I think that was the last thing we saw, wasn't it? That kind of prawn cocktail thing on the wall where that kid's <laughs> burning to death. <laughs> prawn cocktail thing. That's the first thing I think. You know, I tell you, I always, I just think about food. I think about food it all the time. It seemed like, um, the, the it, to, to a lot of people, it seemed like the emblem of Targaryens as well. Which is weird. That's the like, theory. That's the theory going around, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. But it was it's very, very weird. And then what did you what did you think overall of the the episode? I don't think it was rushed. I think a lot of things had to happen. I know a lot of people were whinging that there wasn't enough action, but it couldn't really happen. I th- how many how many episodes is this season going to be? Is it six? six or? Yeah. Exactly. So come on, they can't be slow paced. I thought the first. I thought the 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 consistency in which um the first episode moved was pretty much spot on it wasn't like it was really slow and then it picked up really quick it was very consistent with its timeline so for me i didn't have a problem with it i thought there was a lot of good dialogue i one of my favorite dialogues which a lot of people probably forget was when um Arya met the Hound. You know, there was loads of great um, bits. And when the Hound goes, you, you, you left me for dead. And she goes, I robbed you first. You know, I, I appreciate things like that. I don't know. I thought it was really good. I don't have Bloody an issue. Oh, you appreciate robbing. Right. Fair enough. You know what? That's probably a good place to end the fifth, the episode one. I know we're not going into depth, folks, but we need to focus on episode two, which is the one that you've all watched just now. And basically, uh, episode one ends with, Sir Jamie Lannister coming to Winterfell, sneaking in, 
and who does he see first up? He sees Bran. And uh, the the beautiful bit about about this was that Bran actually said to Sam, yeah. uh, "I'm waiting for an old friend." Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here all night because he'd foreseen Jamie turning up. Now, this is amazing. And obviously, the next scene then is the Kingslayer on trial uh, in Winterfell with with the Warden of the North, Jon Snow, or Aegon Ag- Ag- Targaryen, should we say, um, Daenerys Targaryen, the Queen, and the Lady of Winterfell, Sansa Stark. So... That is some panel to be put up against. And I loved I loved this scene. I thought it was great. It was great. And can I be honest with you, when he was pulled up in the panel, I actually thought it would be for his crimes against Bran and, you know, for throwing him off. But, you know, she was trialling him for obviously being the Kingslayer for murdering her father. And, um, you know, the, the, the starts were all about, you know, you, you, um, Sansa was like, you kind of... Um, betrayed my dad you you assaulted my dad it was everything but bran and um basically everything that he's done wrong and if this is jamie's arc to redemption he's done a lot of shitty things that he had to kind of fess yeah, up and to the shittiest that, yeah. thing, he, no one's big bran gave him a free pass <laughs> yeah you know for like what he did to a child you know like the like, first was episode like, he threw him out the window yeah, he was it was the biggest villain to come out of episode one and the season as a whole would would be would be Jamie because of what he did to Bran. You know, immediately the first person you hate is him, Jessel. In season one, episode one, you think, "What a bastard!" You know, and for for, for I mean, Bran beautifully even says the the you know says the line, "The things we do for love." It was and the fa- his face, his face is just perfect. Yeah, I think Bran and Brienne are the two kind of central characters of this one, along yeah. with Jamie. And um, Bran, he shows himself to be the bigger man here. You know, like, well, Jamie comes along cap in hand and says, look, I'm really sorry. And um, Bran says, well, if you hadn't done that, I wouldn't be the three-eyed raven now. And that that is true, really, because otherwise he'd just be, you know, climbing around doing this, that and the other. And Jamie kicked off this whole thing in the first place and he's come back to Winterfell now. Again, that circularity of it. So I was very impressed because last week Bran was hilarious. He's just sitting there all night like he's waiting for the new iPhone or something outside the Apple store, just waiting for Jamie. <laughs> and then and then Jamie comes along just staring at him. And then this week you actually got Bran to talk and and he was making some really good points poetically, you know, quite concisely. Um, and, and yeah, I thought he was brilliant. And then jumping onto Brienne, I think Brienne was really the kind of real heart of this episode, you know. Um, I mean, what did you guys think about Brienne's arc throughout this episode? I loved I loved the fact that she vouched for him and I love the fact that she kind of made Sansa see reason. She was, you know, like, if he didn't save me because he made a promise to your mother, you won't be here and you won't be alive. I thought it was quite powerful. And, you know, when, when Sansa, because Sansa really, really does trust Lady Brienne or Sir Brienne, if you want to call her that. And, you know, and when she says, do you trust him? Would you fight with him? And she didn't even hesitate and she just said yes. And I just loved, there's a really, really, I don't know. I think the most, um, one of the most honest relationships that Jamie actually has is with Brienne, in my opinion. Oh, by far. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of think there might be like the, the girl in me thinks, oh, there could be a romantic interest, but I don't think she's Jamie's type. No, no. They they love each other. They love each other. Yeah, there's love, but it's not, 
that kind of love. Yeah, it, you get different types of love, mm. you know. Yeah. So yes. he, his love is Cersei. Everybody knows that. But I do think there is something there from Jamie as well. You know, I really do, because he is he is drawn to her more than anything. Like when he's, I mean, we're he talking about he loves her, but he's not in love with her. Since we're talking about. Jamie and Brienne. We'll we'll discuss all of their arc in this in this episode now and get it out of the way. So he's talking to his brother. He's 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 you know got back. To, he's reunited with his brother after ages. You know we've seen uh, Tyrion fear for his brother's life in the battle uh, previous one. You know where 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 he went to kill the dragon and then um, sorry went to kill Daenerys and he's like no no no. So now they're together. They're all happy. And uh, they're, they're bonding over Cersei, whatever. And he's talking about how he wants to die. And all of a sudden, Jamie's just not listening to him. He is fixated on Brienne. This of of like he's just staring at her from above, and they're down to talk. And he's not insulting her at all this time. He's not being rude at all this time. And he's just being very, very respectful. And basically, puts his sword down in forever in in a way, and says. Can can I fight under you, Jessel? And he kind of just says, you know, I want to. If I fight for this, I'd rather fight alongside you. And yeah, there's oh, loads sorry. of things. Yeah, exactly. I think the level of humility that Jamie shows throughout this episode is is quite startling. If you, if you kind of think back to what you were saying in the first episode of the whole thing, you know, you wouldn't have predicted that he would be so humble. But I guess he had to lose a part of himself to gain a part of himself, and yeah. I think that's that's what Brienne really represents. Because it was even because I've just been rewatching it. I'm about halfway through the whole thing, and and I've just gone through this whole Brienne and and um, Jamie narrative, and you know, he really did sacrifice himself for her in a lot of ways. I mean, he even jumped into a bear pit for her with one hand. Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. He, he loves her in, in a certain way. And, and the irony is I, I, one of them's going to die next week, like for sure. Um, but Brienne has finally completed this arc of, you know, being ridiculed and this and that she's finally a knight. And this is what she wanted the whole time. And it was Jamie that bestowed it upon her. And it was, you know, for Jamie to do that, there's there's clearly something there that he respects her so much, and all of them respect her so much. She's really the moral epicenter of Game of Thrones in a lot of ways. Like, when has she wow. ever really kind of been truly shady? I don't think she no. really has, has she? No, she's been honourable the whole entire way. But obviously, her her allegiance changed a few times. That's all. And I think the way she saves him in this as well is 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 perfect. You know, she she gets him off the the, the hook and the way that um. Danny looks to John for, for like, you know, cause obviously Sansa's gonna do what Brienne says. The way Danny looks at John, John, John's so uncomfortable in between two women or like, doesn't, yeah, I suppose we could do with another pair of hands and like, fucks and moves on. But we'll come back to John and Danny cause that's, I think there's a really big moment in there that people might not think about just as he moves away. But, um, back, back to Brienne. And then obviously they get together again when they're all having a Punjabi piss obsession <laughs> before they die. And obviously the episode is a lot about the impending end of the world, Nina. So do what you feel, do what you feel's right before you die. And she's just like, no, Podrick, you're not drinking. No, you know, and whereas Tyrion's just like, drink, drink. But obviously the big thing here between Jamie and Brienne, since we're talking about that, is him knighting her, which I thought, again, was such a brilliant scene i thought it was moving it was moving it was uh, and i love the fact that it was um big ginger that instigated it all why can't you be a knight yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> he 
He's a feminist, man. He's a feminist. Prager, yeah, why no can't you rules. be nice? There's yeah. no rules in 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 the, in the world, you know, and that's one of the things you find from um, what's her name, John Snow's love interest, first love interest in this, Egret. E- yeah, that's e- what you find from Egret. She is an equal in this when she's just killing people, and she they don't treat her any differently for being a woman in the world, which is brilliantly shown. I, I know you're talking about the piss up scene, but um, when I watched this episode, it it reminded me. Especially when they stood on top of the castle and things, a lot of it reminded me so much of Lord of the Rings and the Two Towers and Helm's Deep. Yeah, I really got that feeling from it. I know it wasn't as you know there wasn't as comedy dialogues and things, and there wasn't that much of you know dialogue in Two Towers. This one had a lot of it because we were building up for the White Walkers towards the end. But there was just a lot of it that reminded me of it—just the darkness, the eeriness, the coldness—and yeah. I actually loved. I mean, everyone was doing what they pleased, but I just loved some of the, the dialogue between them lot when they were all getting drunk. I love the fact that when um, the big ginger said how he got big and strong, um, giant's milk. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> wicked. Do you know why my name is Giant's Bane? Because I, I, I killed a giant when I was 10 and then sucked on the giant's wife's dick. For three. <laughs> you thought I was yeah. a baby? Yeah. <laughs> That's how I got strong. And then said that was because I might have that drink now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Tormund bought so much. Whilst we're here now, we might it's as well. It's the big woman here. You know, yeah, yeah. the first, the first and, line he says is the big woman here. And then when he, when he, when they're saying we're all dying now, and then he looks at Brienne and smiles, but at least we're dying together. It's just uh, so good. You know, it's just so good. He bought. So the way he happening. looks at her, oh my god, that's gold. That's he, love. That's real love. Yeah, I love. I love. Find yourself someone the way Big Ginger looks at Lee and um, Sir Brienne. Sir Brienne now, actually, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> and um, and um, Jessel, your thoughts on the knighting? Because Brienne's face when she's actually knighted, and then Torben and and Tyrion's reaction, I think, is just all makes that scene perfect for me. Because you know when you're gonna die and you ask, I have one last wish. She got her last wish. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's that wish fulfillment. It's having the support of the people around you. And um, I mean, the only bittersweet thing is that it's Game of Thrones. So as soon as like she gets what she wants, you're like, okay, is, die. yeah, is is the rug gonna be swept from under her next week? But then you could say that about anyone, to be honest. And and I think the beautiful thing about it is, as I was saying before, she's the one good character throughout. She's been good. And okay, she switched allegiances, as he said, but that's kind of like, you know, Robbie Keane moving from club to club. <laughs> just being no, no, like, no. You know. she, she switched it for the right. She didn't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, never wrong. And she you know, served she, everyone as loyal as she can possibly exactly. be. Exactly. Like, the first king, was it um, uh, Barat, one of the brothers? Yeah, Renly. Renly, Renly, yeah, Renly. Yeah, she, you know, it started from there. And whoever she served, she'd then fucking start, die for them. Yeah. Yeah, then she went to the Starks. Cast yeah. Starks. So, uh, I, I actually think Podrick was key as well in this ep- in this scene where he nodded at her, like because she was just laughing it off first. She thought it was a joke, and then he he knows that's what she wants. He knows Podrick spent the most yeah. time with her out of everyone, and she, when she looks at him and he nods, and whilst he serves her, right, she looks at him for the okay. I love that. I just loved it. That there's that respect there that she's she's so good that she respects everybody you know and she took that from him as the 
uh, go for it, just do it. And that's what really pushed her to go. So I just felt like this scene had so many loads of linked relationship stuff going on between those characters, just done to perfection. Tyrion at the end calling us Sir Brienne a task as well, raising his glass. The cock, the guy who is the, probably the biggest cock at the start of this whole thing, turning out to be such a nice guy. I mean, yeah, I think we, we like you said, there could be foreshadowing of one of these dying. I think personally, Podrick's going to be the one to go. He's turned into this good fighter. It's not going to be good enough, I think, for me. Um, but yeah, that's one of my predictions. Let's move on then. I think... I think we've done Brian and um, and Jamie because they were a massive part of the episode. I think I want to move on to what people will want to hear next is Danny, Danny, da- 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 Daenerys Targaryen's episode. Obviously, last episode she taught John how to fly dragons, and uh, they were kissing in front of and doing all that cheesy bollocks, which I thought was too cheesy. By the way, I did, but in this one it was a lot more serious. Um, Nina, this was she was really pissed off. After that first scene, firstly, she didn't get to punish Jamie. Secondly, and I don't know if you noticed this, but because I've watched this episode a few times now, she, once she asks John about Jamie and he says yes, and then, you know, that he should, he should live and he could, we could do with the help. And then Jamie says, thank you, your grace. Obviously everyone gets up. John walks straight out of the room without even looking at her and she notices and she is disgusted. And that's why she's even more angry when she walks and basically she's on the warpath of Tyrion and she at this point then. And, uh, Sajora is the one who, who is pulling the strings. I think now personally, he's the real hand. I don't know what you think. I think he's her moral compass. Yeah. Mm. You know, I think, you know, because she was so young and he was probably her only ally from, you know, season one when, you know, she gets involved with, um, you know, is it Carl Drago, the Dothraki? He's, you know, like, she probably has more closeness to him than her own brother, who's a bit of a shit, let's be honest. So he's been a constant throughout her whole time as trying to, you know, regain the Seven Kingdoms. So I think he's always been her moral compass. And, you know, it's almost like Virgil van Dyke. He might not be your captain, but he is your captain. And I think that's, that's probably... It. That's yeah, yeah. That's maybe the best analysis analysis that I can give in that regard. And of course, she named Tyrion Hand when he wasn't there because he was off because he had grayscale or whatever he had. So, and I love the fact that he actually in the end vouched for him because you know, um, he actually became the bigger man and said, "No, he he's a he's a he's a he's a fantastic brain. He's a genius, and you know you should stick by him." And yeah, he fucked up once, but you know just just stand with him. And and I vouch for this guy. And you know don't don't be too hasty because he knows that she needs as many good strong people, not physically, but also on an international on on an intelligent scale as well to kind of have her back. That is how she's going to be an amazing queen because he's not going to give her misguided opinions or you know thoughts. And that was one of his thoughts. And then he said, and I've got another suggestion, which I am really intrigued about because we never see the other No, we do see it because it's basically to go and speak to Sansa, I think. uh, Yeah, I think you're right. Before we do go there, though, I think we're branched off to Sejora. We might as well stick with him because there's not much more. But Jessel, I thought this was another redemption line uh, here because Sejora's done some wrongs. Uh, and been barred from, you know, he was, he was basically just 
said you're not allowed to come back to these lands and uh, he's back he's oh back. shit yeah he double crossed her one time i forget no, no, he, that. Dro- he double crossed her but he double crossed the starks too for him to be in winterfell is fucking mad because remember even the mormons disowned him everyone has disowned him for for selling uh slaves something like yeah. that it was so at the end of the day this is a pre-story nin so this is stuff that you pick up when you rewatch it You'll pick it yeah. up because it's all part of the dialogue. If you've only watched it once, it's going to be tough because you yeah. have to rewatch yeah. this show to pick up the pre-story. Although Tavian did say, "Look at us all sit- sitting in uh, sitting in the Stark's castle," when at some point we all fought them. Yeah, yeah, and I here we are all defending them. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he wasn't there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. That's very true. But Jessel with Sajora, um, I thought everything she did in this episode afterwards, apart from the end was basically what Sajora's told her to do. And I felt like she was a bit child childlike in this because she wasn't getting her way in any way. She's in foreign lands. She doesn't understand Winterfell. She doesn't feel comfortable. She doesn't feel at home. And she's losing the plot a little bit. She's not got any control. And I think Sajora's provided that for her. And I think that's how important he was. Um, I want you to talk about that. And then also the, the bit about with Sam and Sajora at the end. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, like Nina was saying, Jorah has been the kind of compass in more ways than one for Danny. And as we were saying between Brienne and Jamie, there are different kinds of love. And obviously, I mean, it's not far far fetched to say that uh, Jorah loves Danny. Now we don't know what kind of love that is, but it's very oh, no, it's, it's, it's yeah. physical. No, it's physical. <laughs> she's friend zoned him. Uh, yeah, she's friend zoned him. But yeah, it's it's proper love that one. Okay, but he's had to accept it, right? Oh. I, I guess maybe maybe at the end um, when he's kind of riding off on his own, that kind of sort of foreshadows that because he's just everyone's kind of hooking up or. or doing whatever and he's he's just on his own but in terms of he you're right he was banished from the kingdom for selling slaves that's the whole reason he's on the other side of the world and and Mm. sort of finds danny in the first place really so in terms of um him returning to winterfell and also like the physical manifestation of that is receiving heartsbane from samwell who you know sort of returns that to him so you know he's returning in more ways than one and stuff like that so i i think his arc throughout has been really fascinating um and and he has helped Danny. What you're saying about Danny, I completely agree. She had a bad episode this time in terms of like her decision making. You know, she she sat down with Sansa and was really kind of making the connection, and then she just starts kind of going on about the Iron Throne again and like you know who's king in the North, who's gonna who's gonna rule the North, blah blah blah. And they just cannot agree. And then she has a disconnection with John, and then she has a disconnection mm. with Tyrion. You know. Mm. And and this is kind of it. Kind of makes you worry a little bit because the White Walkers trying, are coming, and yeah. and she's not focused on that. She's focused on the Iron Throne a bit too much, to be honest. Yeah, but Sajora's trying to to get her to mend all those problems, you know. But obviously, it's not every time we get to somewhere, it's 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 being interrupted before she can finish. But before we get there, one last thing about Sajora, Nin, and you, I want you because I know you love Lady Mormont. I thought. <laughs> The reunion of them two was hilarious. He's so cute with her. He just lets her, like, tell him off. It's so good. Mate, she's so bossy. Like, that child is goals. That's you. That's you. <laughs> Your little pocket rocket like, no, I am going to fight. And, you know, no one stopped me. And I completely forgot that they were related. 
You know, yeah. she's probably yeah. mad enough at him. And then she goes, um, good luck, cousin. And then I'm like, oh, shit, no one. Because I thought he's just showing genuine care, like, because she's a little child. No, and, no. You know, and she's I, a lady. I've been he... waiting for this for the last two episodes. I was waiting. When is Sajora going to meet Lady? When is the more, when is the more more really? Yeah. I completely oh, forgot that they were late. She goes, have, you know, good luck, cousin. And he, you know, like, he just nods and Sam's just looking at him like, what the fuck just happened there? But I thought that was a really, uh, you know, that was really sweet. And I also loved Sir Davos when he was looking out for that little girl. And, yeah. you know, when, when, when Gilly goes, my son and I are going to be down at the crypt and we'd feel safe if you're there. She goes, all right, then I'll defend you there. Yeah. And I love the strong northern accents. I'm sorry. That maybe, maybe because I am northern, but I love the, the harshness. Of the northern accents and how brutal they are. Yeah, I thought the beauty of that scene was that Sadawa saw Stannis' The little daughter. girl, yeah, the yeah. little girl. But yeah. anyway, I, I wait, we're moving off too fast onto things, but I just wanted to finish with Sajora uh, saying, um, just again, the redemption part of it was that, you know, his sword, the one that was his, is with John. That's the Mormont sword. That's the Mormont sword. It's with Jon Snow. And John tried to give it back to him, but he was being really honourable and said no. My father gave it to you. I don't deserve it. And for him to get a sword of a house, a Valerian steel sword from another house, it's kind of the whole circle that you've been talking about, Jessel, that everything's going round in circles and coming back to where it is. And now Sajora has his own sword. It's not his house's, but because he doesn't, he can't have the, the sword of his own house. He now has a sword of a house. And I thought that was beautifully done. And uh, there's going to be something with that sword as well to coming up, I'm sure, with Heart's Bane. But um, the way Sam said, I can't even hold it up straight. You know, it's too heavy for me. It was just so honest. <laughs> it was just beautiful. But, um, okay, there's loads of things we've already talked about and moved in, but we are still on the Danny subject because we haven't gone off. Um, it was just a branch off. But, yeah, the scene with Sansa, I thought Danny managed it perfectly to start with. She really won Sansa back, Jessel, um, until it became the power. Until it became about the power. They, 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 they connected on John. They absolutely did. And you could tell both of them love him. Totally. Sansa's not being a bitch. Cause I do have her, my fears about her, but she was definitely moved by what Danny was telling her. But then it comes, it comes to power. And that's where the problem is with these women, these two women, the power, Jessel. I, Can I ask Jessel a question oh, before he answers this as well? Jessel, do you think with all, like you said she's not focused at all on the White Walker, she's obsessed with power, title, how many people would submit to her. Do you think now finding out um, the true identity of Jon Snow, do you think she might be slowly morphing into the Mad Queen? I think that's been everyone's theory all along is that when you have this overload of information and she's so kind of close to getting what she's wanted for all this time that, you know, the closer you get, the more nervous you get, right? And, um, then all these things are kind of coming at her, all these p- bits of information, and now suddenly all this bad news from John and Samuel and this and that. So it's a lot to digest, and she's still very young, which is why Jorah's role is so important for her. But I really think she's kind of just focusing way too much on the Iron Throne. And you can understand it, because if Cersei hadn't played this kind of trick on everyone, then maybe she'd be more relaxed and think, okay, fine, you know, let's focus on the White Walkers and, and get everything over with. But it's just a strange one because she she can't see the wood for the trees right now. And and you're right, she's just upsetting people on a 
like hourly basis pretty mm. much this is a problem with episode one where bran tells her that her dragon's been turned there was not even a flinch there's not even yeah, a that, was, that was piss poor that it's not been mentioned again it mm. is a big worry for the show it feels like they forced that in they forced that scene in right at the end or even just a voiceover because didn't show bran saying it it was back of his head maybe even voiced it and just put their faces there and just like, I just don't know why it feels so out of place now because it's not been mentioned again at all. Mm, and those actually. are meant to be her children, by the way, those dragons, right? Exactly. And it's just, a, the, even in the battle scene, you know, oh, sorry, in the battle plan scene, which we'll get to, they, they don't mention their dragon at all. So I'm, I'm a bit worried about what's going to happen here, whether they're going to treat it as prize or whatever or they just don't believe bran um and maybe that's when she starts to believe bran and then and then we'll okay let's move because this is the part where bran is mentioned by john to her again jessel i'll stick with you i thought um this was this was after the war scene where they're sorry the the planning session uh, the war room session where he says can i borrow you for a second obviously we have all the the other stuff going on that we've talked about into the people having a drink. There's some sex as well. We'll get there. We'll get there people. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, he takes her down into the crypt and she's, she, she, she asks who it is. And obviously it's Leanna Stark. And she says she can't believe her brother. She heard so many stories about him being really a nice guy by her King's God. I forget the name of the King's God of, of, um, he was the King, the head of the King's God for, uh, the Mad King, then then Robert Baratheon, and then he went to her. Um, Gold cloaks, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. remember him, but he tells her how nice you know Rhaegar was. How he used to sing, and you know that story was amazing. How he said that he was just an unbelievable human being, and he used to walk around the town giving gold to people and just singing, and was a was a beautiful person. And she references that and says, "I've been told stories that he was amazing, but he raped her." And this is where he puts her right and leads into it, which I thought was done well. Yeah, and and the thing is, it happens right near the end of the episode, so you don't have time to digest it, really, because then the horn starts going off immediately. But you're right, there's so much to, to digest with this Dan and um, uh, Danny and John situation. The key to it, really, for me is... Can John move past it from his side for them being related? Because he couldn't care less about the Iron Throne. And can Danny, because I don't think it's really impacted her them being related. I, she cares more about the Iron Throne immediately. Like, I mean, she, she sort of, you know, shirks back a little bit. And then within like 20 seconds, she's just like, hang on, that makes you the male heir to the Iron Throne. And that's really what she's focused on. So again, it's kind of this obsession. It is becoming an obsession, which I can understand. She thinks it's her destiny. She said it for seven years now constantly, but you know, come on, you've just had this huge bombshell dropped on you. Um, oh, the guy that I'm in love with is my, is nephew. my nephew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, all right, come on, you need to have... It. You'd want but, to you bleed know, yourself at just, that point. It yeah. just shows you, though, that her mind is fully focused on getting that Iron Throne. This whole episode, again, she's focused on getting the Iron She is taking the, the Night King and the White Walkers for granted. Once we win, that's what Sansa's saying. I'm kind of getting there. Whilst a lot of the people that are in the war side, the people that are going to be on the ground fighting are treating it as if they're going to die, the guys that are at the top or the girls that are at the top, not John, everybody else, is treating this, talking about what happens after. The only person is Bran as well mm -hmm. that's saying, 
how, how, what makes you think there is an after? You know, he's the only one that's kind of like telling him as straight as it is. Look, you need yeah, to but these what you need to remember: these people never faced the White Walker. The ones that have yeah. are, are probably a bit more, a lot more skeptical. And yeah, you know, you, you know, because time. because they've actually dealt with them and faced them, and I think that's well, the Danny difference. Danny has there. Still in. Danny has. She, yeah, she, but she, but she, like you said, she thinks she's got this madass destiny to win it and and do it. You, do you know what I mean? Like, I think mm. she's so obsessed with power that she wants to sit on the Iron Throne that she actually has kind of forgotten the kind of threat that they will pose on her. And you know, with regards to Danny, and you're kind of saying like, you know, she's upsetting people and, and you know, she, you know, the first thing was, was about her claim to the Iron Throne. I think I've already watched it once and, you know, hearing you guys speak as well, I think she's become very, um, she's not trusting people. I think she feels that maybe there's a lot of like, like Tyrion has like, kind of disappointed her and now she you know john walked out and you said she got a bit narky with that she's not 100 got sansa's support um, nope, and and now out. she finds out about john so a i think stark. she feels gonna... yeah a stark is going to you know is actually you know a targaryen and he's a legitimate heir to the seven kingdoms i think there's a lot going through her head but from the power tripping to going mad like maybe going into the arc of the Mad Queen and also all the people around her, she can't really trust. And her in Winterfell, the people don't trust her. Mm. Imagine the, 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 the psychological impact of all that around you where she was worshipped, you know, like the Dothrakis loved her, the Unsullied loved her, they'd she do anything for her. Yeah. She still has them, but what I'm saying, she's in a foreign land she and is. the Northerners don't trust her. And he even said that to her in the first episode, Northerners don't trust foreign folk. Mm. So, what did you guys think? Thank you, Nin. That was really good. I think that's that's pretty much nailed where where she's at. Um, from my point of view, that scene, I loved it when he says my name, and then he and it's like James Bond. My name, my real name, is Egon Targaryen, and I just her the shock on her face is perfect. It's portrayed, and I suppose when you when you when you find out. Jon Snow is not Jon Snow, and all of a sudden is this hybrid Stark Targaryen uh, of your brother, who is now legitimate king of the Iron Throne. You are going to be, you know, pushed back a little bit. Anyway, there's a song just before this scene. I don't know if you guys noticed it um, that Podrick was singing, um, and whether you know the importance of it or how how important it was or is or what it may foreshadow but if you don't mind i'll I'll take you through that it's called jenny's song yeah and uh it is actually based on jenny of old stones uh who was the wife of duncan targaryen now there's a little bit of foreshadowing going and i've had to search it before the Duncan show. Targaryen? That's not really a Targaryen. I know, Duncan. Sorry. Targaryen. It's a reminder of Duncan Ferguson now. He was a bitter, definitely. But um, it's a kind of a, a haunting uh, accompaniment uh, to shots of lovers in Winterfell, sharing what might be their last together before the White Walkers lay siege to Stark. So I'm reading this from uh, com, folks. Uh, basically, basically what she's saying in the song and I'll, and I'll just go through it high in the halls of kings who are gone jenny would dance with their ghosts the ones she had lost and the ones she had found and the ones who had loved her the most the ones who'd been gone for so very long she couldn't remember their names they spun her around on the damp cold stone spun away all her sorrow and pain and she never wanted to leave 
never wanted to leave, never wanted to leave, and that just repeats. So basically, what this was about is Jennifer that- Aniston and her lovers. No, <laughs> Duncan Targaryen ended up giving up his right to the Iron Throne for her, and they play it just before the reveal of Jon Snow is ah. Edward Targaryen ah. to Daenerys Targaryen, and that is a little bit of foreshadowing, but also that he died in war. And she, she then had to live with that. So from my point of view, if there's anything, like they said, it's a haunting. If, if it foreshadows anything, it could be John is about to die or could, or one of them. I mean, it's probably John that's about, or could it be the return? Could it be the opposite here, Jessel, that she gives up her, throne for him and she dies there is something going on there is that music and that song is not put in there for no reason it's Mm. part of the game of thrones books it is history something is gonna happen next couple of episodes who dies one of them's going which one is it for you she'd look hot as a white walker (laughs) she's halfway there already isn't she (laughs) (laughs) The hair is perfect. I mean, she's already hot, but you know what I mean. Let's just take her. She is. She's that. amazing. She's no. I, I think. Um, I think. I think John will be the one to sacrifice himself. Uh, he's come back from the dead once already, um, but I, I think Danny will live and she will have his child in her belly. Well, and, um, well, yeah. well. The other thing is, Jenny is also friends. This is from there in the books. Jenny is also a friend with a woods witch who prophesied that the prince that was promised, Azor I, would descend of Prince Aerys Targaryen and Princess Rhaella Targaryen. So wow. that is Rhaegar. Rhaella went to Rhaegar, right? I think, I think. So here we have more symmetries of swirling of Targaryen incest and Azor Azai, uh, the, the Azor Azai prophecy that Melisandre uh, has been fixated upon across the show. So, so could it just be that Danny is the one to go? I don't know. But, but you have to admit, the place of that song then is really worrying because as soon as I found this out, my fucking, I was like, Oh fuck. One of them. Well, I've just found out now. I mean, I just thought it was just a project, just being a pissed up drunk, just singing songs. (laughs) You know, I didn't know the significance of the song. I've only just heard it now. So I am. So yeah, I'm going to have to go back and watch the episode and like, you know, yeah, I do remember the song and I remember it was just heeding nicely to her going to the, to the tombs of um, the Starks. So, mm. yeah, um, I will have to go back and watch that. And um, it will be really interesting. I think it's really sad, right, because we're here on season eight and, you know, you, you grow a connection to some of the, most of the characters. You you kind of want them to live, but you know that a massive, massive batch is going to die next week. And I just hope it's not Sir Davos. Oh. <laughs> I actually think Sir Davos is a low got got really low odds. Of, he's not gonna die. He's gonna he's gonna have good odds of surviving. To be, ringing that bell from where he is, he's gonna be fucking fine. He's my hipster shout for the Iron Throne. Tyrion's gonna be all right as well. But yeah. uh, so, Nin, did you have a prediction which one's gonna die? Okay, let's get rid of some. Okay, I think no, no, no. Out of I'm I'm, I'm only focusing on John and Danny. Which one's gonna die if you think they are or not? Or do you think that song's just put in there for no reason? Do you know what? I think I think I think he'll song. die towards the end. 
I think one of them will die, but it won't be so soon. I think the one of them will die, but more towards the end of the season. Because I find it very hard to for them to carry on. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to shock us, give the shock factor That's really it. early on. God's, God's about shocks, man. We forget. They haven't done it for a while. They are going to do it. It's going to return to its core of pulling at that heartstring. We are, there are going to be tears. This is Avengers week after all. Shit is going down in Avengers week on Thursday and then on Sunday next week. Shit is happening. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, the, the only thing I'd say with Jenny's song is, yeah. um, is, is don't be fooled by the rocks that she's got. <laughs> yes, I love it, Jenny. Oh it's yeah, and Keanu Reeves. Oh, John Wick is going to save the day. John Wick for the Iron Throne. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, game in all seriousness, Game of Thrones does mess with you, and like you know, it likes to put some foreshadowing and then completely ignore it. So you know, we could be sort of sitting here talking about it, and then they could do complete opposite. I don't know, but it's a great point. It's it was a wonderful thing to raise about Jenny's song, definitely. So. Okay, and uh, so your prediction was again, Chessel. Uh, I think John will be the one to go, and, and okay. Danny will bear his child. Okay, and Nina, your thoughts? I think Danny goes. Okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I can't imagine a show without John, especially with all the revealing stuff going on, but then it is Game of Thrones. So I have a feeling she's going to give up. She's going to sacrifice something or sacrifice herself in a way to the Night King. And it's just going to be a kind of a submission to say, be the King John. Uh, it's going to be sad, but I think that will happen. Anyway, there is more. There is more from this episode. That was not all. Aria is a massive part of this show uh, and a massive part of this episode. Um, Nina, th- this is a girl we've seen grow up, and for her to behave... She's a like woman a, now. That's all I'm going to say. A thirsty She's a woman. bitch. Oh, my God. Like, the way she watches Gendry, and I'm sure she licks her lips when she's watching him make the things, because... It's sick. There's some foreshadowing within the episode itself that she wants to get in his pants. But then I, I did think, in all seriousness, the he is brushing her off as if she doesn't know anything. And the way in then she proves herself to him with the dragon glass and throwing it into the wall, you know, with the aim, I thought was a really good scene in terms of converting Gendry into being a believer of Arya. Yeah, I think she's grown a lot, right? Um, and not in a physical sense, but in terms of um, what she's been through. I think if I've kind of, of, obviously I've only ever seen Game of Thrones once, I've not gone back to rewatch, but, you know, she's been thrown from pillar to, to post in every single way. You know, she's, you know, very nearly got to meet her mum and then they all die. And, you know, like, it's always been very nearly for her. And I felt like she's been on the road longest. She's had to, she's been... In my opinion, she is the epitome of a survivor in this show. She's always had to graft, and I think, yeah, I think she kind of demonstrates that. Hang on a minute. The last time you saw me, I was like this, but look at me now. I've grown a lot. Um, You know, and she talks about the faces. Like, what was she saying about the faces now? I can't remember, but she was giving some dialogue about, you know, the faces and stuff. Yeah, she says, I've seen seen death. So I, yeah. I look forward to seeing what this next one, you know, what this is about. Yeah. So she was, she was, and the one thing about Ari is the confidence. There is no, there is no worry or fear or, you know, she is now really strong, Jessel. She comes across as a person 
who has no doubts about her ability at all. She is the boss and she knows it. Absolutely. But I think the, the interesting thing here is that she has that incredible confidence when it comes to things like death and this and that and, and, you know, killing people because she's a psycho, as I keep saying again and again. But when it comes to her actual encounter with Gendry, the interesting thing is after they've had sex, then you just look at her face and her face is like, okay. And everyone's kind of like, okay, was she disappointed by his performance or whatever? It's not about that. It's that she's finally, she's been kind of sealing off humanity like emotion, herself yeah. and emotion and she finally gets it and she's like okay this is what it's about not that sex is everything I'm, I'm not saying that i'm just saying that she's kind of like finally allowed some humanity into mm. her life and it's literally the night before they're probably half of them are about to all die basically well I, I kind of felt that was like a lot of the other guys to have sex before i die man you know this is one of those things Last night of living was the best way to go. Yeah. <laughs> well, the hilarious thing is that she's so, she's so fixated on, did you sleep with the red woman? Did you sleep with the red woman? It's just like, I know. She, no, not only that, how many people did you sleep with? She, but, yeah. That, I mean, illnesses or diseases, man. No, maybe she just wanted to like, wanted to, to make sure he knew what he was doing. Yeah. yeah exactly. That he had experience. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. She Otherwise he could have like an American pie moment. Yeah. I don't think in like, those days they give a shit about I'm joking kids. then. I'm totally joking. <laughs> they didn't give a shit about, they didn't even know there was any <laughs> time. But yeah, it's totally about whether he's experienced and knows where, what he's doing. Uh, because obviously it, it would be her first time. It would seem she were she was the only one that wasn't kind of taken advantage of in the show. I think Sansa was really hard done by. Um, so were the rest of the women. I think so. Yeah, she was the only one. She was a girl, and she she was she was clever enough to stay away from from those horrible people, and in the end started killing them anyway, which is good. So yeah. Uh, whatever you said just right then it makes and just just makes total sense but um apart from that she also met up with um the hound again and just for me this was really important because um it humanized the hound in the couple of words that he said to her um when he said you know i fought for you yeah exactly um because he, he kind of has done some really questionable things when mm. when you but but he says that he has a code, like all the way through. He said, look, this is my code. You know, even when he's done those questionable things, he was ordered to, and that was his job. And there was a certain point when he was like, okay, I'm not going to do this. So for him, he is always protected. I mean, he literally swept her off her feet, and he, he pulled her back from the brink of doing all these stupid things again and again. Like, I'm rewatching it. So in that first half of Game of Thrones, the first four mm. seasons, she does constantly make these childish errors, obviously, because she was a child. Mm. And, um, and if it weren't for him, she would not be alive by a long shot. So she has to appreciate that. I'm sure she does. But now she sees them uh, as equals because, you know, obviously her skill level is through the roof now. Absolutely. Yeah, well put. And I love it when she goes, I'm, um, and you two are miserable shit, so I'm going to spend time elsewhere. Oh, typical that you'd pick up on that bit and, you know, where the town was being nice. <laughs> you pick up on the bit when she's just ruined. Thanks, Nick. No, I, I actually like that scene. I thought, I like that. Going to, if you fucking start giving me a sermon, I'm going to throw you off, and you haven't got fucking Thoris now. <laughs> he can't bring you back. I'm going to throw you over the wall. And I love it when he goes, if Sam is the first killer of the White Walkers and, um, uh, you know, an oh, expert in women, yeah. Yeah. You're, we're all fucked. 
<laughs> yeah, that was a different person, but yeah, that's a good scene too. So yeah. actually, whilst we're there, let's go there. We've talked to Aria. Unless, Jess, have you got anything else to say? No, I'm, I'm pretty much done. In fact, I have to bounce in a couple of minutes anyway. Yeah, so, that's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're nearly yeah. done. Uh, obviously, there's the reunion of the... the the, to the Night's Watch on the, on the castle, which was nice as well. And that's when in that scene that you just talked about turned up in terms of uh, Sam. Uh, I think uh, he realizes at this point, Sam, that he can't fight. He's trying to make a really good, you know, really good, uh, passionate speech about it, Jessel, that he's killed White Walkers. But I think this is before he gives Heart's Bane away. So he really realizes here that he's, he's, he's not got anything. Oh, they'd love taking the piss out of him, don't they? They have done the whole series. I mean, yeah. The whole time he was with the Night's Watch, he was just that that joke figure. But, you know, gradually he's proved himself season after season. And, and really the thing is you want him to live because, as we were saying in the kind of preview podcast, he is the knowledge base. Like, Bran is kind of like the, the internet of the whole thing, but... but um, Sam is the Wikipedia. You know, he is the knowledge base of everything. Without him, Jorah Mormont would have died of grayscale. Without him, they wouldn't know about Dragonglass and Obsidian and all this kind of stuff. You know, he is going to be, if he survives and you want him to, he will be a proper Grand Maester in the Citadel. And, and you want to protect people like that, don't you? Mm-hmm. You do. Him and Varys will probably tell the stories. I think Varys will slip or slide away somehow. He had no, he had no talking. Um, dialogue in this episode, but he was there in in, in and around the background. Um, Nin, did you have something to say as well on that? No, nothing. Um, no. I I want Sam to live. I want him to stay for all the reasons. I I I I like him. Like you know, like the Sir Davos types. They gotta stay around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last thing, uh, Miss Sunday and Grey Woman had some. Well, they're already planning their getaway again. <laughs> <laughs> they hope they win. It was just nice to see them talking because they didn't say anything in the first episode. But yeah, um, they're already planning their getaway too. A lot of people planning ahead. I think they're going to be in for a big shop next week. Uh, one last thing was the amazing scene in this episode was the war room, Jessel and then It was so amazing to see all those people in the same room. The Aaron, you know, the head of the Aaron uh, army, Everybody is there. These people have all been at odds. Yeah. But it was amazing. It was incredible seeing them all in there and all kind of talk and put some input. For me, though, the standout was the young Greyjoy. And yeah, his redemption. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved I loved the, the reunion between him and Sansa. You know, just that was just wonderful. And um, I love the fact that he said, I took Winterfell from you to Bran and now I'm going to defend you. I thought that was, for me, the most powerful part. Yeah, let's finish on that, Jessel. You, 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 and you and Theon. Wait. <laughs> I, I, I like Theon. I, you know, I, know you do. Of, I mean, I'm now rewatching it and seeing how many really bad things he did, but then he really suffered for it in ways that are just yeah. unimaginable. So he won me back with that scene with "I yeah. want to fight for you." To, to, but, to, I mean, he even don't forget he even helped Sansa escape, and then yes, yeah. he did. That's why she embraced. Yeah, him, right? that's what. Yeah, exactly. It's like a shadow of that. So. um you know, I, I think for Theon, I don't know what part he has to play. Maybe he'll sacrifice himself again for someone or whatever, but it's good to have him back and he's trying to do the right thing, which is all you can ask really. Kind of like Jamie. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're all uh, having some kind of redemption stories in, in lots of ways, lots of characters. It's going to be interesting next week. We'll be back again then. Before we go, guys, one character that you expect to be killed off in episode three, Nina. Theon. Theon, right, okay. She's come for an easy one. Jessel. I'm gonna stake one high and one low. One low is Tormund mm-hmm. and one high is John. 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, my, my my high one will be um, uh, Brian. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with. Um, <clears throat> I, I think I'm gonna agree with Nin. Uh, Danny and John, the, one of them dying might be a bit later in the show. Um, next week, though, I have a feeling that Jamie could be the one to die because he's kind of had the full redemption now. There's not much more. Um, he probably he doesn't kill his sister. I think that'll be Tyrion that'll kill Cersei. Um, so Jamie could go, and I kind of think that's the low and the high. I'm going to stick all my bets on on Jamie because that would that would be a that would be something that would be something. So yeah, I'm going to go with Jamie Lannister to be dead next week, which would be. Oof. Anyway, thank you so much, Jessel. Thank you so much, Nina, for this early morning podcast review of Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 2. And one last thing, one last thing for listeners before we go. Did you notice Ghost? I mean, they put him in there, but he looked tiny. He looked like a totally different size to the other ghosts we saw in Season 6. It's been ages since we've seen him, but he looked tiny. He looked like a just a normal wolf. Let me know your thoughts. Was it just where he was, the angle of the shot? Whatever. Let me know your thoughts. And uh, with that, we are definitely off. We are definitely going. Thanks to Nina and Jessel again. This was Buzz. We're back next week with episode three from uh, season eight of Game of Thrones.